Well, I want to welcome you to worship at Calvary today. We're so glad that you have joined us, whether you're watching online or if you're watching over in the chapel today. So good to worship with you as we continue on in our psalm series today. Got a couple announcements to draw your attention to before we dive into the message. The first is, I hope you can join us next Sunday, which is July 18th, when we are going to celebrate our 75th anniversary as a church. It's a great milestone, a great opportunity to come and share memories and also look forward to where God is leading us into the future So next week, we're going to have two services. We're going to combine our normal four into two. And weather permitting, we will be out in Calvary Park. So bring a chair, come ready to be outside. And then I hope you can stay after the 1030 service for a great barbecue lunch. So again, just a wonderful time to come and celebrate what God has done for 75 years here at Calvary, and then look forward to what he's going to do in the next 75 years as we serve him together. My other announcement for you is we are hosting a Feed My Starving Children mobile pack here at Calvary at the end of the month, and we hope that you are already signed up, and if you're not signed up, you can still get signed up. So go to calvary.org. All the details are there. It's a great way to serve as a family or grab your small group or uh, neighbors, friends, whoever, but it's a, a wonderful way as a church that we are able to help needy people around the world, and we are proud to partner with Feed My Starving Children for many, many years now. And you know, that segues into our time of offering. One of the ways that God calls us to follow him and to trust him is to give our first fruits, you know, kind of our best portion of what we have back to him and his mission. You know, everything we have is a gift from God, and so he asks us to show our faith and our trust in him by giving back to him. And, you know, because of your faithful giving here at Calvary, we are able to make an impact around the world. And that includes partnering with great organizations like Feed My Starving Children. And so if you have a gift that you'd like to give Jesus and his mission today, it's really easy. You can just go online to calvary.org slash give, and you'll get all of the details you need. But thank you so much for partnering with us to share the gospel with people around the world, and thank you for your faithful giving. So, you know, there are some Bible passages, some Bible verses that are so well known and they show up all over the place, and some of them are almost predictable at this point. Like, for instance, 1 Corinthians 13 is read at a great majority of weddings, right? And it's perfect. It starts out, love is patient, love is kind, it's the love chapter, and it fits so well at a wedding ceremony. Well, in kind of the same way, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, is used at many, many funerals because there are so many words of comfort within it. It talks about walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and it talks about how God is with us, and he brings comfort, and how we can, through faith, live with him all the days of our life. But you know, as I was thinking about Psalms this summer, And specifically, I was thinking about Psalm 23 and how we share it at funerals and how appropriate that is. I started to think about how Psalm 23 actually has a lot to say about living. Psalm 23 actually speaks to how we live our lives today. 
It talks about having a personal relationship, a dynamic connection with God. It talks about living our life depending on him for all that we need. It talks about enjoying our relationship with him and finding our hope in him apart from the things of this world. And so today, as we look together at Psalm 23, I hope you will be inspired. I hope you'll be reminded of what it means to live in a living relationship with God. So I want to start out by reading through this very familiar psalm. You know, many people that maybe have never even come into a church, never stepped foot in the door of a church, at least know fragments of Psalm 23. It's, it's that pervasive. So if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn to Psalm 23. Remember, if you have a paper copy of the Bible, just turn right to the very middle and then you'll maybe have to fast forward or rewind a little bit to get to Psalm 23. Otherwise, if you have your phone or a tablet or a computer, you can dial it up, Psalm 23. And it reads, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now there's a prevalent image of God that shows up in verse 1 of Psalm 23, and that's the image of God being a shepherd. And you know, this isn't the only time that that image is used throughout the Bible. It comes up again and again. Even Jesus himself calls himself the good shepherd. In John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. But you know, in using this image of God being a shepherd, it also has a big implication for us. Because what it means is that you and I are the sheep. Now, most every country on earth uses a lot of symbols to describe itself and to kind of give its character to the world. And one of the symbols that many countries have is a national animal. For instance, for America, it's the bald eagle. For Russia, it's a bear. And for England, it's a lion. And you can see the kind of animals that countries choose to use. It's animals that would tell the rest of the world, don't mess with us. Well, in kind of the same way, God has chosen a national symbol for his people, for those of us that follow him. But, you know, he didn't choose some ferocious, scary animal. No, God says, you know, my people, you and I, You're a lot like sheep. You know, not the smartest of animals. You know, actually, animals that are often subject to a lot of danger. 
who can't take care of themselves. You see, God is communicating some important spiritual truths to us by who he chooses to represent us. Have you ever thought about how there is no such thing as a sheep trainer? You know, there are dog trainers, there are horse trainers, there's dolphin trainers, but there's no sheep trainers because sheep aren't smart enough to be trained. On their own, sheep can't find their own pasture. They can't find a good source of water. They can't even really find ways to rest and recharge like they need to. Without help, without guidance, without management, sheep easily become lost. In fact, they are one of the animals least likely to be able to survive on their own. You know, when a sheep finishes eating a particular patch of grass, they're not even smart enough to go find another patch of grass. They're just kind of bewildered, and they don't know how to move on to a new spot. They also can't defend themselves against their enemies. They don't have claws. They don't have a ferocious growl or bite, and they can't run fast. They also become very easily frightened, even by small animals. A prairie dog or a rabbit can send them scurrying as fast as they can go. And that's why even small dogs can be used to corral huge herds of sheep. And so God says, this animal is the best representation of my people. God is saying, you know, we too are prone to getting lost. We too can get way too comfortable and have a hard time moving on to a new place. We too need a protector and we need a provider. It's really a humbling image. But you know, the psalm, Psalm 23, goes on then to tell us even more about who God is and how he wants to relate to us, his sheep. Now, I love the transition that happens between verses 3 and verse 4. David starts out by talking about the Lord, talking about God as he. It's all kind of third person, talking about God. But in verse 4, he changes from talking about he to talking about you. You see, he's talking directly to God at this point. And what I think that does is it implies a close personal relationship with God. It implies that David, the writer of the psalm, truly knows God in a living relationship, and he really spends time communicating with him. You know, David could have started out, instead of saying, the Lord is my shepherd, he could have said, oh God of the universe. And he could have used all sorts of majestic language. He could have made him this disconnected and distant deity just describing his attributes, just talking about him. But that's not what David does. Instead, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. And he spends time talking to him. You know, the truth is, there are an awful lot of people today who know an awful lot about God. But there are also many of those people who don't truly know God. There are a lot of books written about who God is and what he's like. You can go check out the huge sections in the library. 
The History Channel spends hours of programming, talking about the Bible and all different aspects of it. There are tons of websites that you can visit. You can get more information than you can ever wade through about God. I had professors at seminary who could bring a Greek New Testament with no English translation. They could read it backwards and forwards, but they didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You see, as many people who know about God, not as many people actually know God. Dallas Willard, the famous Christian writer, he once said, The Lord is my shepherd is written on many more tombstones than on lives. I mean, think about it. It's such a common phrase. It's easy to adopt. But it's one thing to write it on a tombstone. It's another to make it a center point of a life. And so I think there's an important question as we look at Psalm 23 today, an important question for each one of us to ask ourselves. Maybe it's the most important question you could ask yourself today. And that question is, do you just know about the shepherd or do you really know the shepherd? Because you see, truly knowing him makes all the difference. Now there's an old story that's been told about two hikers who were up in the mountains in Wales over in Britain. And as they were hiking through the mountains, they came across a young boy who was tending to some sheep. And so they sat down and they talked with this young boy for a while, all about shepherding. And along the way, they brought up Psalm 23. Well, this little boy didn't know how to read but he really, really wanted to remember these words that these men were sharing. And so one of the men said, well, it's easy to remember the beginning of Psalm 23 if you look at your hand, your five fingers. And remember, each one of your fingers corresponds to one of the words that the psalm starts with. So the Lord is my shepherd. So he said, grab onto your first finger. That means the. And then your next, your pointer finger. And remember the Lord. And remember that the Lord means Jesus who loves you with all of your heart. Well, then he says, grab onto your next finger. And this stands for is. And remember, Jesus is with you every step of the way. And he loves you so very much. In fact, he's with you right now. Well, then with his fourth finger, he says, this stands for my you know, this is the finger we put a wedding ring on, and so it reminds us of the personal relationship we have with the one we love. Remember, the Lord is my shepherd then. The last finger stands for the shepherd. All that we do, everything we do, all the places we go, the shepherd is with us. And so this little boy just ate up this conversation. He loved this remembrance of this great psalm that applied to exactly what he was doing in his life. Well, the next year, the men came back, and they were hiking in the same area again of the mountains. But they didn't see the little boy, and so they, they went into town, and they found a little cafe, and they were going to get a cup of coffee. 
They talked to the woman who was waiting on them, and they inquired about this boy that they had met the follow or the previous year. And this woman was completely shocked. She said, that was my son. He died last winter in a storm. He tumbled off a cliff, and he laid there for a long time until he was later found. She said, you know, there was something strange, though, when he was found. We never really understood When we found his body, he was holding on to his ring finger tightly. One of the men said, well, we can explain. He was remembering that the Lord was his shepherd. You see, even at the end of his life, knowing him makes all the difference. Now, if you look back at verse 1, we see that knowing Jesus is my shepherd means I shall not want. Now, that's a great phrase, right? I shall not want. But I'm not sure about you. I know for myself, I want lots of stuff. You know, I really want a new iPhone. I want some concert tickets. I want an exotic vacation. But you see, the meaning of I shall not want, it doesn't mean we won't desire or wish for things. You see, what it really means is that I won't lack anything I truly need. And you might say, well, how is that even possible? I mean, even the sheep in Psalm 23 are lacking some things. At, at one point, they're lacking light. They lack green pasture. They lack good water. So how do we as Christians not lack anything that we need? Well, I like how Pastor John Piper answers this question. He says, what David means is that God's sheep never lack anything that the shepherd thinks is good for them. The sheep never lack anything that the shepherd thinks is good for them. God will provide all we truly need. Now also knowing Jesus is my shepherd means he will provide for me. In verse 2 it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now notice, why does he do this? It's not so we can just be comfortable or we can take a nap. No, he does this because it restores our soul. Now think for a moment about how much time and energy we put into taking care of possessions, taking care of things of this world, taking care of our investments, and all of these things are going to pass away eventually. They're not going to last for eternity. But then think about how much time and energy do we put into caring for our soul, which does last for eternity. Well, the truth is, Jesus is really the only one who can care for and restore our soul. Philip Keller is a pastor and an author, but he was also a shepherd for eight years, and he wrote a book about this. He says, you know, it is almost impossible for sheep to lie down unless certain requirements are met. Keller explains that before a sheep will lie down, they need to be free from four things. 
because of their anxiety, sheep refuse to lie down unless they are free from all fear. Sheep also will not lie down unless they are free from friction or tension with other sheep within the flock. If tormented by flies or parasites, sheep will not lie down. Lastly, sheep will not lie down as long as they feel in need of finding more food. So he says sheep need to be free from fear, friction, flies, and famine. And you know what? In much the same way, Jesus, the good shepherd, frees us from those same things. He frees us from our fears, from our frictions, from our famines. And it's so that our soul can be restored. Now, another amazing thing about our good shepherd is that he seeks out even one lost sheep, one lost soul. Now, there's a thing called a cast sheep. A cast sheep is a sheep who gets tipped over and can't right itself back up. And it actually happens quite commonly. Sometimes it's wild sheep that have way too much wool on them and they become top-heavy and they tip over and they can't right themselves. Other times it's pregnant sheep that get tipped over and they can't find their way back up. And all they can do at that point is to flail their feet in the air and to call out with bleeding. And if a shepherd doesn't come quickly... They die actually quite quickly when they're on their back. So the shepherd continually watches over and counts their flock carefully. And they're also checking to see if all of their sheep are standing. But then oftentimes a shepherd will go and seek out a lost sheep. And usually they will find that sheep tipped over. And when they find a sheep that's tipped over, a cast sheep, what they do is they come down and they massage all of its limbs so that it can walk once again. And again, you know, Jesus does really the same thing for us. He restores our soul so that we can walk with him again. Now verse 3 goes on, that when our soul is restored and refreshed, it's only then that we are able to walk in paths of righteousness. Now, it's important to note here, it's not something we do under our own power. It's not something that we have to do under our own strength. No, it's through the power of Christ. It's with him as our guide, as our shepherd. It's then that we're able to walk his paths. And the reason that we do it is not so that we can become more independent, so that we can be glorified, so that people can watch us. No, it's for his name's sake. We're created to be in relationship with him to bring him glory. It's so that he is exalted in every time and place, so that people can see him working in and through us. Now I also want you to notice that the first half of the psalm is really not full of much activity on our part at all. Really, it's more resting in Christ. It's about being led by him 
It's about being restored by him. And this is such an important reminder in our walk with Jesus. It's primarily a relationship where we follow after him. It's not about running from meeting to meeting. It's not about who can be busier than another. It's not about more programs. Oftentimes it's simply being restored in the presence of Jesus and walking with him. It's taking the time to enjoy our relationship with Jesus. Now, one other thing, we we might think those images of green pastures and quiet waters are the natural place that God would take up residence. I mean, that's where he would be, right? If he was going to pick a place, green pastures, beautiful water. The thing is, those images, those places are not a constant in this psalm. And of course, they're also not a constant in our lives. In the psalm, they eventually give way to a very dark valley. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Sometimes we go through dark valleys. Sometimes we go through difficult places. And fortunately, these places are not a constant either. Just like the green pastures and the still waters. Life is full of valleys. Life is full of mountaintops. The only real constant thing through it all is the presence of God. The psalmist says, for you are with me. Now, I love this fact. That phrase, for you are with me, is the exact middle of Psalm 23. When you read this psalm in Hebrew, there are exactly 26 words before that phrase and 26 words after that phrase. For you are with me. Now, that same phrase, that same idea pops up numerous times throughout Scripture. Numerous times at crucial points, we're reminded the Lord is with you. Remember, Jesus himself is called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So through the highs and the lows of life, God is with us. He'll protect us and he'll care for us. And it makes all the difference. Now knowing Jesus is my shepherd also means he will protect me. It doesn't mean that our problems are all eliminated in an instant, though I really wish that would mean that. It doesn't mean that all our enemies are eliminated instantly, even though probably we really, really wish it would mean that. Rather, in the midst of problems, enemies, difficulties, negativity, verse 5 says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. You see, amidst all of the trials and tribulations of life, what does Jesus do? It says he sets up a table for two. I mean, talk about a flex, right? His presence, his relationship overshadows anything that we can face in this life. 
And he actually says to our enemies, bring it on. We're just going to sit over here and enjoy a steak dinner together. And not only that, it says he anoints our head with oil. To which we might say, well, what does that mean? Well, sheep have a problem with insects and parasites and flies. It's their natural enemies. Now, they're especially bothered by something that's kind of gross, so just brace yourself. But sheep are especially bothered by what's called a nose fly. Nose flies lay eggs in sheep's noses. And the worm-like larvae that hatch can crawl up their nose and cause intense discomfort. So what shepherds do to protect their sheep is they mix up a concoction. It's olive oil, sulfur, and spices. And what they do is they douse the sheep's head completely in oil in order to protect it. I mean, that's how far the shepherd will go to protect his sheep. And you see, it says, he anoints our head with oil. Jesus will go to the ultimate lengths to protect us from our enemies. Well, finally, knowing Jesus is my shepherd means I have hope and assurance. Verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, we all know connections can be really important, right? Knowing the right people can help you out in so many situations. Knowing the right people can get you access to places you can't go by yourself. Well, in the same way, knowing the shepherd can give you full access to God's house. You see, one day when we die and we show up at the gates of heaven and we'll be asked, well, how was your life? What was your life like? And we bring all of our sin and our brokenness, all of our nervousness and our guilt with us. It's in that moment that Jesus, the good shepherd, will step in and say, hey, he or she is with me. Knowing the shepherd makes all the difference. There's a story about a famous actor that was the guest of honor at a social gathering. He got all kinds of requests to recite famous literary works. There was an old missionary there, though, who requested that this famous actor would recite the words of Psalm 23. The actor finally agreed on this with one condition, that the missionary would also recite the same psalm. So the actor's recitation was beautifully intoned with lots of dramatic emphasis, and he received a lengthy applause from the gathered crowd. Well, Then the missionary, he shared the same psalm, and his voice was rough from many years of preaching and teaching. His diction was anything but polished, but when he was finished, there wasn't a dry eye in the room. When someone asked the actor what the difference was, He simply replied, I know the psalm, but he knows the shepherd. See, friends, we truly are like sheep, and we need a shepherd. So the question remains, do you know 
the shepherd? Or do you just know about the shepherd? As we close in prayer, I want you to think back to the story I told about the young boy in the Welsh mountains. And what I want to invite you to do as we pray together is to grasp on to your ring finger. It's not something anybody else needs to know about or see. It's just between you and God. But what this is, is it's making a declaration that the Lord is my shepherd. That you are declaring you want a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because again, who you know makes all the difference. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for this powerful psalm that reminds us that we are like sheep, that on our own we are lost and without hope. But we're also reminded that you are our good shepherd, that you walk with us through life, through all of its ups and downs, that we are never alone, and that because of Jesus, we have hope for our future. And so God, right now, we make the declaration that you are our shepherd. We are sinners in need of a savior. Help us to walk closely with you and to remember each and every day that you are our guide, you are our protector, and that you are our provider. And God, help us to see the people around us who also need an introduction to the good shepherd. So God, we thank you for who you are And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And let's all say together, amen.